Amen. Thank you. Make sure my mic is on. There. Thank you. Uh, that's the Friday morning life group. They are awesome. Thank you for reading scripture this morning. It's the passage that they read is at the end of what I'm going to read this morning. Big game today, right? Between two very good teams. You know, each coach and each team, as they approach the field, as they start the game, they're expecting something important. They're expecting a level playing field. That those who officiate the game, those who have reviewed those close calls, will be fair and they will apply the rules properly and that the game will be, there'll be a level playing field. No one will be put at an unfair disadvantage. The Rams went right. Not too many Rams fans here. I know we're struggling with that. All right. In our, <laughs> in our Bible passage this morning, it appears that it, that's what is happening. Jesus is leveling the playing field. Those who are blessed, those who are welcome in God's kingdom. It's the blessings passage, the Beatitudes. You're very familiar with them, maybe. We have to think about who is blessed in this passage. Jesus wants us to think about who is blessed. When you think about the word blessed, or how often you say that you're blessed, or, or why you say that you're blessed, I, it seems like the list is endless, right? You can say, I'm blessed because, well, I have a wonderful family. I'm blessed because I've got a good job, or uh, I'm blessed because with good friends, or a neighborhood, or an opportunity to go on vacation. Uh, maybe you, you feel blessed because you found love and, and romance. Uh, you're blessed because of nice weather. Blessed because your team's in the Super Bowl. However, according to the scripture lesson this morning, there is a list that Jesus provides of those who are blessed. And Jesus opens his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, with this list. It's out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Falsely, on account, on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. In the time of Jesus, the rolling hillsides of the, the, around the Sea of Galilee were often used as hangouts for revolutionaries, for outlaws, ready to defeat the Romans and to take over and bring God's 
kingdom in by force if necessary. A generation before Jesus, in this same area where Jesus is preaching in this Sermon of the Mount, there was uh, revolutionaries that Herod and his army smoked out and captured and arrested. The same place is called the Mount of the Beatitudes. It's where it's believed that Jesus preached this sermon, where the Revolutionaries tried to force God's kingdom. Now Jesus is preaching about God's kingdom. Today in this location, there is a a church that has been built, named appropriately the the Church of the Beatitudes. I was blessed to visit this location a handful of years ago. The church is surrounded by, well, you can see the beautiful gardens and towering palm trees and cypress trees all overlooking the the blue, glimmering Sea of Galilee. It was not difficult for me as I wandered around this place uh, in the the gardens to imagine Jesus teaching here. It was a significant spiritual experience for me in this place, the reflection and prayer. I really enjoyed that moment among all the historical sites that we visited in Israel. The word beatitude comes from the Latin meaning blessed. Jesus says, blessed are, and he names those whom God favors. The original word for blessed can mean happy. Some translations, maybe your translation, your own personal Bible says happy. The root meaning, however, conveys a deeper meaning, maybe being approved by God. Those who are fortunate in God's kingdom those who are welcomed by God. Perhaps you're starting to wonder, well, how does this work again? Because several, if not the majority of these blessings are the exact opposite of what we would consider a blessing, contrary to what we might see as a source of happiness or a clear indicator that God is with us or God is looking favorably upon you. I don't wake up in the morning and go, I hope I can be more poverty-stricken spiritually. Or boy, I hope something causes me to mourn today. At least I'll be blessed. Or maybe I'll take some pleasure in receiving some harmful, demeaning persecution. And now that would be nice, and, and I would rejoice and be glad at that. Boy, and people would walk by me and say, man, that guy's lucky. What are these strange and puzzling statements anyway? Maybe the best place to start is to think about what they're not. In my work this week, and and as I worked through the passage, I was reminded by multiple sources of what these Beatitudes are not. First, they're not a to-do list. I don't know about you, but I love starting my day with a to-do list. I get out a yellow pad of paper, and I I make a little box, and then I write what I need to do. I make that list, and then I finish them off. I write, scratch through them, fill in the box. It was awesome. And you feel like you've got something done and accomplished. If I get six out of ten, that's great. The Beatitudes are not a to-do list. Make sure you get four out of five or four four out of eight of these or Likewise, they're not recommendations or instructions, commandments. They're not transactional in any way. They're not 
Well, the people who do X, they will receive Y. There's nothing woulda, shoulda, coulda, must, ought to do this. They're not a matter of if and then. If I try very hard to be poorer, sadder, meeker, hungrier, thirstier, poorer, or more peaceable, more persecuted than I am right now, then God will look more favorably on me, love me more, reward me more, and appreciate me more than He already does. The Beatitudes are not a recipe. You mix it together and you attain God's favor. That interpretation does lead to some debilitating form of legalism. And it can at times become a weapon used against people. Also, the Beatitudes are not a guilt trip. The be like that attitudes. Perhaps you were given a shirt like this when you were growing up. You were raised with an adult or somebody. I, why can't you be more like your brother, your sister, your uncle, whoever? Jesus is not opening up his sermon like a dog owner would. Your dog does something bad, you know, you left him there, and then all of a sudden you come home, and you, you thought you trained them not to chew your slipper up, but then went ahead and did it anyway. Shame on you, dog. Bad dog. That's not what these are. Shame on you for your wealth or when others live in poverty. Shame on you for being comforted when, or be a strong leader. As if Jesus wants a church to walk away feeling spoiled, overprivileged. Better get sad, avoid all happiness, romanticize poverty, wallow in guilt. That's not what these are. These are not about shaming, condemnation. You'll never measure up. And if that's the case, what would be accomplished? It would only alienate and de-spirit the followers. This can free someone and siphon off their hope. And Jesus is not guilt-tripping here. On the other hand, Beatitudes are not a hall pass either for the church to sit in indifference. What do I mean? Well, Nothing in the words of Jesus here that opens up the sermon and excuses injustice. Nothing that downplays abuse. Nothing can dry up the soul of church faster than telling suffering people, well, you're suffering, God ordained it, and uh, you better be happy about it. No way, that's not what these are about. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the poor in spirit because they're poor in spirit. He did not think, what a fine thing it is to be destitute in every spiritual attainment. Or qualify that this is what makes people worthy of God's kingdom. Jesus' ministry is all about healing and wholeness and broken and bringing the broken and helping those who have been captured by whatever and setting them free, rejoicing about God's abundant mercy, restoring faith, reassuring hope. You know, our leadership team of elders and deacons, our staff, they hold to this charge. They seek, how can we deliver a concrete help to the hurts and the hopes of our community and world? Your leadership team of deacons and elders and staff have led us so well this way. Did you know that in our 2022 budget, or we approved 
handful of weeks ago, that in there specifically is a line item to help Afghan refugees. Your mission team heard you last year when you said, how are we going to help those who have been alienated from their country, and now they, they need a place to live, they need to be a, a place of safety. And now there are Afghan refugees, and we're working with a, a local, uh, local organization here in Mission Viejo to come alongside, and you'll hear more about this as our mission team encourages us and how we can help resettle a family and what part we will play. Our mission team, our elder for missions, Jill Nagasuki, she's not going to let us sit in indifference when the world is suffering. We're called to step in and walk alongside those who suffer. Beatitudes remind us about that. Likewise, the Beatitudes are not fly-by-night wish dreams either. When Jesus promises the kingdom of heaven, he's not saying, all right, everybody, grit your teeth. Hold on until the end. And then you will realize the blessings of God. That will help you through any hell you're living through right now as you expect what's going to happen in heaven for a future. No, these are what we experience now. And also not yet. There's a mystery there. The kingdom that Jesus spoke about, taught about, his disciples, what he preached about, the crowds was about a kingdom now witnessed in and through his people God's loving grace loving neighbor as self so now you're saying well what are they then pastor John well hang on at the core they're blessings well that's what it says right it's interesting the first words out of Jesus mouth in his sermon as he calls the church, the first words are blessings. This is so important because we can easily forget that in our lives. Jesus doesn't want his first disciples nor us to walk around in this wife life doubting, doubting his blessings. Jesus begins with blessings. Blessings comes first, not judgment, not terms or conditions, not penance, not contract, not even the offering. Jesus starts with a sermon with telling his disciples who they already are. They're blessed. They're blessed, they're fortunate, they're happy. Why? Because they are near and dear to God and God's heart. They are children of God. This is the foundation of everything. Everything that comes later comes back as a blessing. It's their identity. They are blessed. They are freely blessed. They are welcomed. Jesus has leveled the playing field. Blessed is the joyful state. They already exist, and it's a reality for those who follow Jesus. You see, a popular notion during that day, Jesus' day, was that only those who held high status or those who were in royal places the temple leaders. You know, in the first century, the temple, it was Jerusalem. There was a city that was there. 
but it was really a, a temple with a city built around it that was the center of the cosmos for the Israelites. And Jesus is breaking that all down. He's out in Galilee and he's talking about God's blessing upon these people. He's leveling the playing field. The late Christian author and professor, Dallas Willard, he was a professor at USC. He wrote a book, Divine Conspiracy, Rediscovering the Hidden Life with God. He suggests that the Beatitudes are steadfast affirmations. The people there before Jesus on that hillside, on that mountain, are blessed. They're well off because they are disciples of Jesus Christ. The connecting link in all of this is Christ himself because he has opened the kingdom of heaven and all are welcome. The main message here is the availability of God's kingdom, which is a direct reversal to prevailing assumptions and practices of the first century. He's breaking down the walls of who's in and who's out. He's leveled the playing field. For Willard, Dallas Willard, the Beatitudes are proof that in Jesus, the rule of God from heaven is really and truly available in all circumstances. Even the ones that seem that's beyond hope. God is present with us, loves us, cares for us no matter what. Maybe you're wandering in a spiritual wilderness. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You're filled with grief at a sudden loss. God knows and cares and will comfort you. You've been humbled over and over and over again. Your inheritance waits, dear friend. You hunger and thirst for what is right, and there are times you're persecuted for that. God will fill your cup even though it runs dry. You have been merciful beyond measure, merciful beyond compare. Keep at it. You will receive mercy. We all face circumstances, both large and small, that test these promises. Relationships, family and marriage, neighborhoods, raising our children, facing uncertainties. The promise of the Beatitudes is that Jesus is with us in all circumstances of our lives, even those that seem to be beyond hope. And lastly, the Beatitudes become a vocation, our call as the people of God. Simply put, we are blessed to be a blessing. We can stand with those who are suffering, stand with those who are experiencing unrighteousness in their lives, stand with those who have failed and don't sense that they are pure in heart. We can stand with them. I heard a story this day, this, this week, uh, about an individual who was struggling. He says, I just don't have the hope. And the person that was helping them said, well, I'll be that hope for you this week. I'll carry the faith for you this week. Trust. I'm with you in this. That passage of Scripture that was read earlier by our faithful Friday morning life group said, I am the salt 
You are the salt of the world. You're the light of the world. We are a beacon of light to this world and hope. I think about being a beacon of light. and You know, in our building, we have a, a chapel and a, a big tower and a beacon. And I'm looking forward to lighting that beacon up someday as a reflection of who we already are. A beacon of light and hope for our world. Where in your life can you be a blessing to others? Where in your life can you think about the blessings that you have received, these blessings that Jesus points to, and reflect how that now changes your attitude for your day, for your week, for the demands that you face? These are our blessings to live out. These are our blessings that are already ours because of our identity in Christ. May God bless each one of us in that. And as we receive those blessings, we also want to return those blessings and respond. And we respond through giving. We give of our time and our talent and our financial resources. So allow me to pray as we give through our hearts and our minds and our souls. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your life with us. We thank you for these promises, these beatitudes, the ways that we are already blessed. And as we experience these blessings, God, we pray that you will carry us, strengthen us as we bless others. And may these gifts that we share this day, that support your ministries here, that support the, the ways that we are reaching out in our community, in our world, in faith and in hope and in love. Lord, we ask a blessing on these gifts. That those who encounter your love will respond in faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.